let's continue in this message of the churches of Macedonia under the subheading of honor. Honor. And I don't really want to do much recap. Um, otherwise, every week I'm recapping. But let's just immediately go to Philippians chapter 2 and 25. Verses 25. So we have been speaking about the churches of Macedonia that are a sample, an example, a model for us to follow and to learn from. And we, we are busy with this message because soon um, we, will, we will continue with the message on, on, or not continue, we will pick up the message again of the doctrine of Christ. Who is Jesus the Christ? And what does that mean for us? And when I did bring it at the time, I knew that this message would be, would be important. And even though we have not continued the message, the message has still been growing with me. And the Lord has still been sharing and I have been writing. And so, so this, this message on the churches of Macedonia, which is kind of highlighting the the um, the leadership, right? Which is from which is from the leaders or the elders, the bishops, and so on, and and how how the people imitated their leaders, and that is a a biblical thing. Uh, you'll be actually surprised to see how how often the New Testament actually. When it's written, where it says, follow me, follow our example, imitate me, um, as we have shown you do, and so on. So it keeps highlighting in different places. And so you, you can actually see that it's a biblical concept, right, to have leaders. And I did say to you in the past that, that where, where we just gather two or three in his name, and we have no leaders amongst us, and I said to you that that is not church, right? It, where there is church, there will always be leaders. In fact, the church was birthed with 12 leaders, 12 apostles that gave leadership to the church. So the church was not birthed without leaders, right? And, and the, the idea or concept um, the, out there or wants to suggest that we can have church without leaders is unbiblical, it's an error, and it is, it is just people having itching ears and unwilling, unwilling to surrender and to yield and to deal with the things that we struggle with. Amen? So it is biblical for us to have leaders, and it is biblical for leaders to say to those who they lead, follow me, imitate me, follow the example. And that is one of the reasons I said to you last week that, that we will be fasting on a Tuesday. Whenever the, the leaders will come together, facilitators, house church leaders, when we come together, the Tuesday that we come together, we will be in a fast. We will fast that day. Now I know obviously when you say you fast, you know, you should do it in secret. I know that. But I want, to, I want you to understand the purpose behind what we are doing. Right? And obviously after that, we will not say we are fasting. But the reason for that is that 
we as leaders that we will be praying for ourselves and for the house. Right, KGM. We'll be praying for ourselves that the Lord will raise and lift the standard of our example unto the rest of the house. So that we build those things. And to strengthen our prayer. And um, unfortunately, I have to be honest and make the statement that us as KGM, our, our prayer is very weak. We are strong in doctrine and we are, we, we are building the fellowship, right, and the dispensing and so on. Uh, and when I say our prayer life is weak, I speak as a whole, right? I, I know that there are people who are, they give themselves to prayer. But as a whole, our prayer life is weak. And it shows itself in the weakness to engage God when we come together. Because when we come together and we sing and we pray, there is a weakness to engage Him. There is no strength, there is no discipline to engage God in prayer and to kind of just pursue Him, to press into Him. You know, when we gather and we sing together and we, we say, let's praise the Lord or let's pray, there is that, you can feel that weakness, right? Corporate weakness. And that's something that we need to strengthen. And so that's why we also will have on the Thursdays, we will also be fasting as a house, right? As a house, as KGM, we'll be fasting regularly. Now maybe you think every week, every week, what is going on? No, the Bible didn't say if you fast or if you pray, it said when you, right? And so fasting and prayer is part of our lives and, and the world should not control us. And food should not control us, right? So that we will not spend time in fasting and prayer and seeking the Lord's face. So we are seeking to lift the standard and the example of leadership in this house so that, so that we can, so that when we say imitate your leaders, then we can, we can confidently say that we are an example. And we know that everybody, the rest of the house, Feel, feel free and safe to imitate. Right? Are you all with me? Okay. So, it is a biblical thing to imitate and it's a biblical thing to, um, to, to lead and to be an example. And I told you that, that in the book of First Peter chapter, chapter 5, where Peter is writing and he says, um, he exhorts the elders who himself is also an elder. And it goes down later and says that you would be an example to those who follow you. And that word example is the very same word that we have in Thessalonians where it says, where it speaks about the church that became an example, a tupos, a model, a sample, something you study so that it informs the rest of how they should walk. Right, And so even leaders must be a, a sample, an example. And the example that we, and the, uh, that we must be of is Christ. And so I told you that Christ is the prototype uh, of whom, uh, he's the prototype and we as leaders, we are an example of the prototype Christ so that the people can see Christ in the flesh so that they can experience Christ. So the whole model of leadership is Christ 
centered. Right? And so when Paul would say, follow me as I follow Christ, as he was imitating Christ, he became an example for others to follow and imitate. So what they were actually imitating was not the person but Christ. And the ways of Christ that have incarnated and built themselves in the person. Right? In the leaders. And so, and so a statement like, I don't follow people, I follow Christ. Then you don't know what the Bible is saying. Because, because this whole leadership thing is a Christ-centered, focused leadership. Right? Are you all with me? So, let's... I, I'm just laying that foundation so that we can move on. Right. So let's, uh, Philippians chapter 2, 25. And here, uh, again, just so that you can remember that, the, the churches in Thessal- Thessalonica and the churches in Philippi are the churches that are included in the churches of Macedonia. Right? It's like saying all the churches in Wolfish Bay. We have us, we have... Pastor Benny Living Waters, we have Community Church. These are churches in Wolfish Bay. These churches, the Philippians and the Thessalonians, found themselves in Macedonia, right? And they, are, they themselves are cities within Macedonia, okay? So when we read about the Philippians, we are actually learning about the Macedonian church. The churches that Paul said were a sample and an example for others to follow, who we used to teach other churches, right, how they should walk. So here he writes unto the, the Philippians, the churches of Macedonia, Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and the one who ministered to my needs. Okay, so since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So, as, we, as you see these scriptures, Paul says, I'm sending to you Epaphroditus. It's one of his sons. It's one of the people that serve him, follow him, um, serve with him. As you can see, he would say, he's my fellow soldier, fellow worker, and he is my brother in Christ. Now, he says who he is to him, but he explains who Epaphroditus is to them. To them he is a messenger, right? And the Greek word there is for uh, apostle, you know. And he's basically saying he is your messenger. So he does not want them to receive him as just as a brother in Christ. Okay? This is, for example, this is why the Bible would say in the book of Timothy, it would say if any brother... If any person or any man has an employer who is his brother in Christ, treat him not as your brother, but as your employer. Right? I'm paraphrasing those words. talks about 
any servant or slave or who has a master. In our context, that would be employer and employee, right? And so if you have someone, if you are, if you are working for somebody that's your brother in Christ, and you are working for him, you are not firstly supposed to treat him as your brother. You are to treat him as your employer. Someone who is, who has authority to correct you, tell you what to do, right? And, um, and in that, you are to honor that. And within that, when you respect that order, it is there that the brotherhood flourishes. But when you want to put the brotherhood over the fact that this person is my employer, then you, then you get easily offended with correction, instruction, right? And being instructed to do certain things and, and you think, but Who's this guy to try and tell me what to do? And we get so easily offended. Now, in the same way, Paul is saying, I'm sending someone to you. He's my brother, but I don't want you to receive him as your brother. I want you to receive him as your messenger. Right? So, so that when he releases the message, you pay attention to the message and not get stuck with the brother. Right? So that, you, so that you won't say no, but, but that is, that's Joshua speaking. Okay? Or that is, but look how young he is. Or these type of things that we get carnal in our thinking, fleshly in our thinking. We look at the fleshly things. But we are to receive them in the capacity of which they come. Right? And, and when we see this, we find that this is a, this is, this is what Paul would regularly do if he sends someone. I mean, we spent 17 sessions on breaking free from the spirit of poverty. And when we switched over in the subheading of grace and the giving of grace, we saw many testimonies, heard many testimonies, and we've already started to see changes and shifts. Right? But in there, Paul, in Second Corinthians chapter 8, he says, I'm sending Titus to you. And again, he says, my brother or my fellow laborer, my fellow soldier. But then he says, your messenger. Again, he wanted them to receive Titus as their messenger. Why? Because he does not want you to miss the message. He wants you to get the message. And when you see and by telling them, immediately they can see who is coming and what is he going to say. So, let's go to verses 29. Or let's just read verse 28 through to 29. So, it says, Therefore, I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. Verse 29. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem. Okay, the old, the old King James will say, and hold such in reputation. Esteem, reputation. Okay. So let's look at the word receive. This word receive. Is the Greek word, 
is a Greek word that means to admit. Hospitality with endurance. Okay, and it is a verb. It's a doing word. So when we say receive, so when Paul said, I'm sending Epaphroditus, and I want, he's your messenger, and I want you to receive him, he was saying, I want you to, to, to admit him. I want you to give him access to your heart. Right? The per, you are allowing the person to come in. Right? And hospitality. So receive him within your heart. Receive him within your midst. And receive him with hospitality. One of the branches of generosity is hospitality. Okay, is the uh, is the is is setting up the place or preparing yourself to receive somebody, like what Jesus said um, to one of his disciples. He said, "Look, when I came into your house, did you wash my feet? Did you give me water to drink? Did you do all of these things?" And he said, "You have not, but this woman who came and washed my feet." Kissed my feet, right? Dried my feet with her hair, right? She has honored me. She has welcomed and received me because it was part of the culture. The culture in Israel is that one of hospitality, right? And the, when people come, you create a culture. And this is why we want in our house, we want to create the culture. We want that branch of generosity to manifest itself through hospitality. And this is one of the reasons why when we come, even on a Sunday, right, we are saying, when we come, we are gathering as a family, we gather here as a family, and we are the host. And if we have visitors and people who come to us, we are the ones who show hospitality. We greet them, we go to them, we we see how we can serve them and so on. Because that is exactly what we would do if you would have a gathering at your home or have a weekend party or invite some friends over for the, week, for the night so that you can just fellowship. You would prepare your house, right? And you would prepare the meals and the things that would be necessary. And when, and when friends walk through the door... You would not just sit on your chair. You would get up. You would go and greet the people. You would welcome into your home. You'd greet them, give them a hug, and so on. It is not strange to do that. Similarly, as a family, it is not strange, should not be strange for us to think that, that we should go to people and say, greet them and say, how are you? Welcome. Can I get you some coffee? Can I do something for you? Uh, just make them feel at home because I don't want to have Ushers per se that must be trained to greet every person. Because in that we, we make it then other, somebody else's responsibility to be the greeters and the meters. When we as the family must have a culture of hospitality. Right? And so it will not be necessary to have ushers and say, as a family we should say, Do you have you not found a seat? Can I... Have a seat, take there, you know, these kind of things that we do. Anybody for coffee, anybody for this. These are things that we do at home. We must develop a culture 
right? A culture of generosity. And I will show you later on how generosity actually, actually allows sometimes things that have been dormant in our lives for a long period, right? Prophetic things, promises, and even destinies uh, actually makes them accelerate. If we give them from the right spirit, the spirit of grace, the grace of giving. So we do not want to forget the, the culture of giving. So when we gather, we look, who, we look to see whom can we give. And all its different forms and expressions. Can I give a hug to somebody? Can I encourage somebody? When I gather here on a Sunday, when I gather at a house church, when I, whenever I have gatherings, I, I am looking to build in myself this discipline, this culture of, of being hospitable, right? And of being, and being a giver. You know what? I just want to encourage you. And I want to give it freely. And I want to tell you, you know, you are doing so well. I know you're having your battles, but I, I see how you, you fight and you hold on. And I want to encourage you, keep holding on. That's giving, right? And it's giving. And we give in that culture. We, we just give a prayer. Can I just pray for you? I just want to pray. I just want to pray from our, I know you didn't ask for prayer. I just want to give a prayer to you. And you will find that it, because for grace to manifest, you must take the towel and serve. Grace manifests itself when we serve, and serving shows itself through giving. And that's how you develop the grace that you have. That's how you develop the gift that you have. That's how you increase the measure in which you walk. Uh, on the grace of God in which you walk. This word receive means to be hospitable, means to open yourself, means to prepare. And it's, and it's like generosity, right? It is, it is giving access. And then this word, um, this Greek word, it's made up of two Greek words, you know, pros and dekomai, pros dekomai. But the second part of this word, Dekomai, it means to give access to oneself. Access to oneself. Now, we, you know, sometimes we can think, you know, but if, if you were powerful and when you pray, everybody falls and signs and wonders and miracles, healings and these things, and when you speak, it happens immediately, it will be easy to honor you. It will be easy to receive you. Amen? We should th- that should be our logical thinking. But do you know that Paul had to address the Corinthian church? And say, hey, follow me. This is a man that walks in miracles, signs, wonders. Has all the things that you would think, why must he tell a church, follow me? Why must he warn a church and say, follow me? When the man is walking in the signs and the wonders. Because it's not an automatic thing. Sometimes, you know, I have found over life, I am now, I am now, you know, about 23 years in the Lord. And, and worked with different people and so on. And I've seen people, people come in and 
progress. I've seen people come in, progress for a while, then, then fall away or things don't happen and, you know, all the different kinds of things. And over the years, I have noticed that sometimes people don't, people don't know what they are doing, already doing, which is correct, which is producing results. And then in the, when, when that which they are doing, which is producing results in their life, and when the results come, then they stop the very thing that they did not know that they were doing. Therefore, it is necessary to sometimes explain to you, this is why you are getting results. And can you keep up with that discipline and that which you are doing so that you can continuously get results? Amen? Okay? So this word receive. Let's read Galatians chapter 4 and 14. Paul here says, And my trial which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. So, Paul says, Paul was struggling or going through something in his flesh. Um, He was having a trial. He was being tested. You know, this is an example. You know, a leader can be, can have a hit a dip financially. A leader can hit, can go through reject. All of a sudden, um, like so often you see on TV and, and Facebook and whatever, how they attack sometimes leaders and say things and just are ruthless. But, and in, and in doing that, that person that's undergoing that attack can, can find it very difficult, right? And can go through their own challenges having experienced that. As I have personally also uh, experienced where the Lord said to me, I've allowed you to be rejected so that I can deliver you from rejection. And I experienced and it had an effect and it, and it sometimes was difficult for me to even just go on a Sunday on the way while I'm driving. You've heard this before. I am feeling... Very discouraged, um, not even in the mood to preach, and so on. And I, and you just feel like, Lord, if this is what ministry is about, I don't want it, you know. And and so sometimes, as leaders, they can go through things, and you, and sometimes there are challenges that they go through that is not that you do, that you can't see. It's a personal, private, maybe. It's a challenge within the family. You are not able to see it. Sometimes there are challenges that they go through that you can actually see. Right? For example, when, when uh, our son got sick, right? Um, he, be- he became ill, the symptoms and so on. You can look at that and say, but if this man, JP, is a preacher, once sent by God, surely by now his child should have been healed. You, things can go through your head. You know, we've got to make it real. Right? Amen? Okay, so you can you can think things, but Paul says even in my trial that was in my flesh, I'm not talking about his sin. I'm talking about his trials that he goes through, right? Uh, he says you despise not rejected. It did not cause you to to in your honor towards me to 
to become dishonored, disregard, um, to look at you differently. But you still received me as an angel of God. So, when, when we talk about receiving and when we talk about um, allowing access, they were allowing the angel of God access. They were allowing the messenger of God access. So, it's not allowing JP access. It's allowing the grace that is in him, in which he stands, access. The reason we honor the president of Namibia is not because his name is Hagi His name's got nothing to do with it. Because before that he was Hagi but he was not president. But when he became president is what he came into. And when we receive him, we receive him not in his name. We receive him in the position and capacity of which he comes. That's what you receive. When the mayor comes, uh, the mayor, I don't know if he still works at Spa. He's not working at Spa anymore. He used to work at Spa. I used to see him every day at Spa. And then all of a sudden the man became mayor. Now I must say your worship and your honor. Why? Not because of his name or who he is, but because of what he has come into. And so when you receive, it's not about receiving the name. It's about receiving the grace that is resident within the person. And in that person, when I can receive that, I have given access to grace to work in my life. Are you all with me? This is why Paul had to say, I'm sending Epaphroditus, but listen, he's my brother, your messenger. I'm sending Titus, fellow worker, your messenger. And the glory of Christ, and the glory of churches, sorry, the glory of churches, he says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So, what are we looking at? We can say Jesus, but we never know who he is. His King, His Lord. Have you received Him as Lord? Or do you still decide what you want to do on your own without discussing it with the Lord of your life? It means that you have not, you have not come to the revelation of His Lordship. You have not discerned His position. You have not discerned that He is the enthroned one. He is the Lord. He is the King of kings. The Lord of lords. He is the King of glory. When He comes in, all honor and worship and praise and glory goes to the one who sits on the throne. Have you discerned His position? And so when you honor, the more you perceive Him, the greater the honor within your heart comes towards Him. Right? Are, are you all with me? So when we say receive, we are saying receive, not yeah. But unfortunately, obviously, sometimes grace is packaged in a person. Right? Like I say, I am not the funniest person. Right? I maybe am not the, what you would say, maybe facially I don't look very friendly. I don't know, that's my opinion. I don't know what your opinion is there of that. It was, it's changed, okay. Maybe if you get to know me a little more than you, then you get used to what you know. Uh, I'm friendly, I'm gentle, right? I'm patient, I am, 
I'm forgiving, all those type of things. But at the, at the original look of my face, my face does have a very serious look on it. <laughs> Amen. So it, it may not look very friendly. And so that might be a difficulty where somebody was more big and I say you are a here, gives you a hug, it feels like Father God is in that hug, right? <laughs> but but it, and, and you might have to might have to see that in the flesh, but you must go beyond that. You must go into what is the grace within the man? What is the position he holds within the spirit? He is sent, but what did the Lord send him as? And when I can see and perceive that, then something happens within me. Okay? So, let's read Matthew chapter 10, verses 40 to 42. Remember, these keys that we are talking about, the Macedonian church had the ability... To follow their leaders in a way that many other churches did not have. And that way in which they followed their leaders, the Macedonian church, caused that the grace of God flourished in their lives. Okay? When I say Matthew chapter 10 and verses 14. Jesus is speaking... Matthew chapter 10, if you read from verses 1 on, Jesus chooses his 12 disciples. And his 12 disciples, he ordains them as apostles. And then he sends them out and he's giving them an instruction with their sending. What they should do, who they should go to, when they come into the house, how they should enter into the house. I mean, talk about, Jesus said, Jesus was saying, every time you enter into a house, say peace. Now some of you can say, Nee, maar die heilige is saam met my. Moet ek nou redig elke keer sê, Vrede. Jesus said, Every time you enter into a house, say peace. And you know what they had to do? They had to follow it repeatedly. Like a tradition. But knew that it was from the Spirit to repeat that way. And when you come in, eat whatever they put before you, preach the gospel, and then... Heal the sick, raise the dead. Every time they went to the house, they followed that thing. Freda fiela. Right? You understand? They followed, he gave them instructions that they had to continue in. When he said, don't go to the house of Israel, or don't go uh, to outside, but just go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, you know what? Along the way, they had to say, we just go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. No, I see a Gentile, lost some. Right? They followed in instruction. And here is one of, the inst- one of the things that he explains to me. He says, I send you, and whoever receives you, same Greek word. Same Greek word. Whoever gives you access to themselves. Whoever uh, allow, gives admittance to you. Whoever does hospitality and brings you in, right? When they receive you, they are receiving me. The one that sent them, the one that came with them. 
Right? I send you, but as I send you, I'm going with you. And so when they receive you, they're receiving me. But, and if they receive me, then they receive also the one that sent me. So from receiving you, they receive the Son, and they receive Christ the Son, they receive the Father that sent the Son. They receive God. That whole word, receive, is that. But when you read on in verses 41, look what he says. Verse 41. He says here, he who receives a prophet. He didn't say he who receives Peter. He who receives James. John, it's not about that name. It's about what's in the vessel. He who receives a prophet. Can you, receive, can you see that what we must receive is, we are not looking, we are not, you're not saying I'm receiving JP. You are saying I'm receiving that in which God has brought you into. That which God has sent you with. I receive you. Are you all with me? And when I can receive that, when I can receive that, that is when what God sent in you for me works in me. As Paul said in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, he says, if you know the grace of God that was given unto me, the dispensation of the grace of God that was given to me for you. God puts grace in people for others. That's what, that's what he says there in the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Similarly, God has put grace in you for whoever God has wanted, desires you to make an impact in. You have grace, right? And, and I can tell you if, that, if they don't recognize what God has deposited in you, they cannot receive. They cannot receive. That is when communion is not honored. When some are sick because it is amongst the body of Christ. Are you all with me? So you receive a, a prophet, you shall receive a prophet's reward. So there is a reward for receiving. Tell the person there is a reward for receiving. So the grace that was sent in a person, right, for others to build the body, to edify the body of Christ, to equip and so on, that grace can only work effectively in the lives of people when people um, are, are able to see and recognize in the spirit and to then from that honor in that way and receive and allow access. Okay, so the prophet's reward, receive a prophet, receive a righteous man, you'll have a righteous man's reward, right? So if there is amongst us a person that lives righteously, a person that lives according to the biblical way and design, and they have put their life under pressure to live principally, and they may not be a leader, but they are righteous, in their way. If you receive that righteous man, you receive the righteous man's reward. Right? 
verses 42. So can you see that receiving has got nothing to do firstly with who you see in the flesh? Or the name of the person? Right? Or, well, are we speaking in the context of the church and the body of Christ? Okay? Or the position they hold, or their social status, or the position that they hold within uh, the government or so on. And, or maybe they don't. And so therefore, you behave according to that. But, but when we receive them, when we receive them based upon who they are in the spirit, the ability that we have to see them in the spirit. Now verse 42, look what it says. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. So even... Even if you have a brother and sister that has given his heart to the Lord now. Right? Whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, surely I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. So, let us not go rewardless. Let us have a life full of rewards. So we honor leaders, we honor righteous men, and we honor people on our levels, and we honor people below us. Right? So in, in that receiving, it says you will receive your reward. Alright? Okay? So Second Corinthians chapter 6. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11. So, he says, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. He says, I'm speaking frankly. I'm speaking open. I'm speaking, I'm not beating around the bush here. I'm saying it. I'm opening my heart. I'm sharing with you. My heart is wide open. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the man that's raising the dead. This is the man that's shaking snakes off his hand. This is the man that is having special miracles. This is the man that signs and wonders is not a strange thing that accompanies ministry. And this man writing to the Corinthians, he says, I've spoken openly to you, straightforward. My heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Okay, the old King James will say, but you are straightened in your own bowels. That word straight, you have cramped, you have narrowed the way, the passageway for grace to flow to you. Uh, Who's here? To cramp a person's style. Okay, so, but you are restricted by your own affections. And you look what he, what he asks them in verses, where is it now? In verses 13. Now in return for the same, I speak as to children. You also be open 
Look how he has to say to the Corinthian church, open yourself up. So it's not an automatic that just because a man walks in signs and wonders, that people will automatically open up. It happens. But this is why Paul spoke to them, taught them, explained to them, open yourself up. He was saying, my heart is open. I've got this much. When I speak to you, I speak openly. I am, I am ready to impart and to release. But when I speak, your heart has become shut, closed, narrow, offended. Um, you don't know, you know, it's not as free as it was. And he's saying, I'm asking you, return your heart, open your heart. Open your heart. And, and what we can see from this is that we must, within ourselves, develop a culture, within ourselves, a discipline of knowing how to receive. I, over the years, had to learn these things. I didn't know them in the beginning. And over the years, I had to learn to receive. I had to learn to honor. I had to learn to show and express honor. Right? It is in the doing of it. So, we honor in different places. We honor church leaders. Children are told to honor their parents. Right? Husbands are told to honor their wives, we are told to honor people in positions of authority. So, honor, this is not just a church teaching that is only meant to be applied here within our circle. No, you apply it wherever you go, wherever there's a position of authority, wherever there is someone, right, you are to show honor. And the Bible says, children, honor your parents that it may go well with you. Well with you. Tell the person next to you, go well with you. Go well, go shell. Right? Through what? Honor. Sometimes, sometimes children cannot understand that maybe sometimes the reason that things don't go well with them is simply their dishonor and disrespect towards their very own parents. So those biological children here, yeah, I'm speaking to biological children, not spiritual children now. Biologically. Right? If I may be, if I can tell you, somewhere something is being locked up in your life. Shut down. Because you dishonor your parents. And you know what? Your, your parents may not be the best parents, but the Bible says honor. That it may go well with you. Do you want it to go well with you? It doesn't matter the age. So, maybe some of us here are 45 years old. Maybe you are 50 and you have parents. Honor them. Respect them. Show the honor that is due. And watch God take care of you. 
Watch how it goes well with you. Similarly, in the book of Ephesians, when it says, Obey your parents in the Lord. This is not your biological parents. This is in Christ. Spiritual parents. He says, honor that it may go well with you. So we've got to learn how to, to make it go well in every area. Okay? So when we read the Old Testament... We are reading of their works done by faith. That's why they get results. Because there's works. But we want to reduce grace and faith just to something that's in the heart. That never expresses anything in work. So when we say honor, there's work. There's an expression of it. Okay? If the president comes here... I'm not just going to say, Sita, Ivas, we honor you. What honor is that? Right? That's not honor. Why? It, it expresses itself. It's in the expression. It's in the, it's in the work of honor in our lives that it actually has the reward for you. Remember Jesus, Mark chapter 6, he came unto his own. He came in Mark chapter 6 to the people and, he's, and they struggled. The Bible says, and they were offended with him. And, he's, and then Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor. He didn't say Jesus is not without honor. He highlighted more who he was in the spirit. A prophet is not without honor except among his own family and his own people, his people who know them. They were offended. Offense brings dishonor. And what happened was that, what happened was in that, in that context, it says, and he could not heal. Can you see that Even though Jesus was full of grace. The fullness of grace within Jesus could do nothing for them. You can come with all the power in the world. But if there is no honor, you will go home empty handed. He came in the fullness of grace. And yet, he could heal. He couldn't heal many. Only a few headaches or so on. Alright? Okay, he doesn't say headaches. I'm just putting that in. Okay. So, open yourself up. Uh, Honor, it does that. But remember, when we receive, what are we receiving? We are receiving in what is in the Spirit. Who they are in the Spirit. Okay? Philippians chapter 2. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 2. And reading verses 29 again. So the receiving has to do with an open, an opening up, giving access to. Because you always find that the, the, the speed of the, the, or the growth of the people 
in the beginning when usually when people join a church or so on they find somebody is usually in the beginning that they find the in many cases it's not all that you find the acceleration of growth and experience but it is with time when you become casual with what once with that which was once valued honored then you find that the growth does not have the same speed as it had in the beginning okay the why because with time you can you can become used to a word you can become used to the manner in which the word is presented familiar with it but not have the same appreciation for it that you had in the beginning when you were hungry to learn so in this verse he says receive therefore therefore in the lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem or in reputation it says they are to be held and that word hold means keep it maintain it maintain possess it keep it there so hold it there keep it there if you've honored it away in the beginning keep it that way and what the enemy will want is that the offenses will increase so that you shut down so that he can hinder the growth so that he can hinder the the grace of god that accelerates in your life so that he can stop or if he can't stop it he want to slow it down so that you take longer to get to your destiny and purpose right it is it is something that the enemy does he works on offenses and we have to learn to be a people that are unoffended Ask the person next to you, do you know how to be unoffended? You can answer them. No, no. Chill. <laughs> it cramps. It cramps it. It straightens it. It prevents. Right? So that word hold your honor keep it up there refuse to let offenses stop you from showing and expressing esteem So what is it that we must hold the esteem the reputation this greek word is the greek word for honor it is entimos e n T I M O S And it's a combination of two Greek words N I don't know if you remember the N the N and the ergon in ergon the in workings of God N for in Timos coming from Time which is T I M E okay it's not time it's not pronounced like that it that word there 
That word there is the word that says, I value. It's the price. Okay? This word is means to value, to held in honor, prized. Within your heart, there must be value for gathering and to hear the word. There must be value for uh, having leaders sent once among you. It must be within your heart. And, and that word, uh, I, I mentioned it shortly last week. Time, time, T-I-M-E, for honor. It, it means to determine the value of something. So like, it's the very word that you would use um, when they would say, and the price of it is 500 Namibian dollars. Price. Okay, we're going to look at the Greek. The Greek, that word now, in, we're going to give you, I'm going to give you a scripture just now for that. So, price. And they paid a certain amount. It means they have determined the value of something. And therefore, they attached a price to it. This is his worth, 500 Namibian dollars. Right? Um, now, let's read Matthew chapter 27. 27 and verses 9. It says here, Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the value, okay, the word value here, or in the old King James, the price of him who was who was priced and so on. Okay, he says, The value of him who was priced, whom they of the children of Israel re-priced. Okay, let me just read the one, so we just get, make sure we're getting the correct one. Matthew chapter 27 and verses 9. It says here, Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value. The price, Greek word, teme, honor. Very same word for honor. In other words, to Judas, Jesus was only worth 30 pieces of silver. Which I told you somewhere is around 250 to 300 Namibian dollars. A man that walked with Jesus saw the man walk on water. Saw the guy speak to the storm and calm it. Saw him multiply bread with five loaves and feed 5,000 people. Saw him, perhaps when Peter's ear was cut off and put it back on. Saw the man do healings. Miracles, signs, wonders. And he lost value for him. And, and he would accept only 30 pieces of silver. Sometimes you can leave grace for money. Because you don't understand that grace is more valuable than money. God calls it the riches of his grace. 
Right? So, this word, honor, it means to determine the worth. But to determine the worth, you have to have sight. Remember, you are receiving who? Someone in the spirit. When you receive him in the spirit, you honor, you hold them in high reputation. Paul is teaching the church to keep leaders in high reputation. He's saying, they that imitate and follow, you must hold your leaders in high reputation. It will greatly contribute towards your spiritual growth. So when it comes to honor, when it comes to honor, it is not I, a leader, that determines the value. I can't say you I am worth 5,000 Namibian dollars or 1 million Namibian dollars or only 10 Namibian dollars. It's not my, my place to determine worth. Honor that is within the person, it is they that determine the value and the expression thereof. So, in my relationship with Thamu, it is me that determines the value, not him. And the way that I value him will determine how I express my honor towards him. Okay? Now, honor is not only financial. Okay? Just in case you're thinking, I don't know what Okay? It's not only in, in money. It is how you treat them. It's how you honor the instruction that is given. Right? It is, that's, that's honor. If Tamu gives me an instruction to do something, I am going to make sure I do it. It's not him that determined that way in which I will do it. It is my honor that's for him that determines how I do it. And the Holy Spirit taught me you must honor in that way. Honor has rewards. Honor has rewards with it. I just want to say again, biological children, children please, for your own sake, honor your parents. Stop with the stubbornness The stubborn, disrespectful attitude towards your parents. It does you no good. For your own sake. For your future. For your well-being. Many of you heard this before, but many have also not heard it. My own brother, for years, couldn't get a work. Couldn't get a job. He did all the different courses, could get nothing. Because my father and him, they regularly showed dishonor towards each other. But the one who gets it, who falls more um, under the, or falls short, is the one who's under, who must actually show honor. Because they would say things like, go to hell, you're not my child, why don't you just die? Um, then the other one would say, 
You are not my father. I don't want to be here. Those type of things. And for years he couldn't. Until the day. Until the day. Just before my father passed away. Where he converted, gave his heart to the Lord. In the hospital. And then my father asked for forgiveness. Towards my mother and my brother. For the way that he treated them. And my brother could ask also for forgiveness. And after that. Got to work. You don't understand the effect that it has upon you. Honor your parents for your own sake. Right? Let's go to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. And then we'll start ending off here. I think I'm doing good time here. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8. Okay, so it says here, now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, a notable woman. The old King James will say a great woman, someone to take note of. The first lady, notable woman, someone of reputation, maybe a wealthy woman. Somebody is well known, whom all the people highly respect, a notable woman. Right? Then he says, so her social status is very good. And then he says, and she persuaded him to eat some food. See the culture of hospitality. It makes me think of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus who almost forced Jesus to Eat with them. No, just stay. No, I need to go. No, 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 no. The Bible said he made as if he was going on. He actually wanted to stay. But he wanted to know, do they want him to stay? You know, like you say, oh, I think it's time to leave. But actually I want to stay. I hope, I hope um, Lynn says I stay longer. Play no a biggie, man. You know, that's, that's um, what they were doing. They were, she, so she persuaded him to eat some food because they have the culture of hospitality. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. She opened, she made access, she made access for him to enter and come regularly and to sit there and eat some food. Verse 9, and she said to her husband, look now, this is after he has regularly I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Right? But I think that the old King James says, I perceive. First, what did I say? Second Kings chapter 4 verse 9. She says, in the old King says, behold now, I perceive. In other words, this man came regularly and they had nice chats. And he, he probably enjoyed his chats and his fellowship and the hospitality there that he came regularly. But he never said, oh, I am a prophet. Hey, I'm a man of God. Hey, do you know who I am that you are treating here? He just 
went and fellowship regularly, care with him. And then one day, she perceived, I'm not entertaining just a man. I'm entertaining somebody that is of God, that is sent. A prophet, a holy man of God. Suddenly, her eyes opened and she saw. When that happened, you see, when, when sight comes and when you can recognize it, it does something to you. So, then, after she perceived, then verse 10, please, she's saying this to her husband, please, let us make a small upper room on the wall. Let's not give him the basement. Okay. A, a simple example, I think one time when Kubas came, we said, Kubas, why don't you sleep in our room? I said, no, 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 no. Say no, we just want to honor you. Sleep in our room, man. I said no. Okay, so eventually he didn't want to. So say okay, sleep ma there in the spare room, right? Um, on the wall, it's an upper room. Remember last week we said, we said in the book of Thessalonians it says, esteem them very highly, very highly above, over, on top. Know them that. Are your, them that labor among you and that are over you in the Lord. You esteem them very over you. Because they are over you in the Lord. Give them what is due. Okay? An upper room on the wall. Let us put a bed for him there. And a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us. He can turn in there. So now he's not just going to in and out. Now he's going to sleep here. Right? Okay? Don't make for me a room in your house so I can sleep there. Okay? I'm just joking. Right? Right? But my point here is, nobody told her. He didn't tell her, listen, make for me a bed when I'm coming. Make for me a room. Because I am the man of God. That's why when we travel, we don't say to a church, you know, I'm the man of God. You asked me to come preach. I'm looking for 20,000, 30,000, a million dollars so I can preach in your church. But that's what they do in, in other countries. Some of the preachers, they say, no, if you come, no, you pay this, you do that, you do that. And you give me, this is the size of the honorarium that I want. That's not honor. That is not honor. Because the people must decide. The people must decide. And then, look. So he doesn't tell her. And you know, even the word for chair there. In the Hebrew. The word for chair means a royal seat. They treated him now like royalty. Right? Remember... Honor is not worship. When, when, when they perceived it, now not only did she put bread on the table, she now set a room for him. It showed her honor. She expressed the honor when she realized who he was. 
It is you that determine worth and how you will express it. Okay? And then, verse 11, And it happened one day that he came in there and he turned into the upper room and he lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call the Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him and he said, and he said to him, Say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. In the old King James, he said, you have been troubled with, the, the, the Hebrew word shows a kind of like a, a reverence that came upon her. The, the Hebrew word there, it's, it shows kind of like a reverence that she had for him. And then it says, what can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So there's beyond years of having a children. This is like Abraham's case. Abraham's body was dead to produce. The seed was dead. It couldn't produce. The man is old. So he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Verse 16, then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she, and she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maid servant. Verse 17, but the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come. Of which Elijah told her. All of us. Now remember he traveled many times through there. He, and if, at first he just ate. Then she saw. Then she prepared a room for him to stay. And then it happened. And then the grace that is with him. Now worked in her life. Because she decided how she would express the honor. And she did not ask for the child. Simply, what it was, it was like God scanned her life. What is missing here? A child. You'll become pregnant and you'll have a child. If we don't go into, listen, and, and if you, if you've noticed recently, over and over I keep saying, I'm moving towards this thing where I say, labor in grace, work, effort. If we don't understand that we can say you are righteous in Christ, you have grace in Christ, you are gifted in Christ, you are blessed in Christ, you have all the blessings in Christ, and you are just olek in Christ, and you are holy in Christ, and you are born of God in Christ, and you are set apart from all sin. But unless somewhere there is actual faith that expresses itself in work, we will never, we might never experience the actual blessings that we possessed with. Are you all with me? You have to develop a culture in your life. You have to change your ways. I mean, you can't pray, God, give me a promotion at work. And you rock up late every time. 
I mean, you're not thinking right. You can't desire a promotion and then when you're at work, you give it only 50-60% of your effort. And in actual fact, your employer is overpaying you because the amount of work and effort that you put in. This is how, you know, this is how sometimes we as Believers think, grace, favor, give me favor, let me get that job, Lord. But there's no actual effort. The harvest doesn't come in without effort. Pray that the Lord of the harvest send forth laborers into the harvest so that they may come in. We can't just pray for them to come in. You've got to bring into your understanding this issue, this understanding that if I say there's honor, it's not only lip service, it has to have actual work. If I say I receive, there has to be actual work to it. Hospitality, if I say I give, there has to be an expression. It has to be seen for it to actually, that's why in the Old Testament, the Old Testament, what they did was, we see their works. And when we read their works, we read of the results. In the New Testament, our faith is devils believe and they tremble. Then James will say, but if you have faith, show me your work. So our faith is the equal. Is equal to the, the belief of demons. If there is no works. Can, can you understand? The results come from faith that expresses itself in work. Okay, let's stand. So these are the keys that the Lord is showing us okay, on the Macedonian church and what allowed them to grow and to function and to just see more of God in their lives. Remember I, I gave you this scripture from Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can think or even ask according to the power that works within us. And I said to you, I made this statement, that if you don't see God work around and in your life, it's because there is no effort from your side in laboring with God. And it shows itself in what you do. And so God works through our work. If you have a prophecy that God will give you one day a house, I can tell you, you, mu- you must start working. And it might not be that you must go get a job. Go find out the price. Go look at houses. Go. Do something. Don't sit and wait. If you say, God, give me an increase financially. If you believe, do something. What is God saying to you? 
If God says we are still in a period of acquisition, which means that, that we will come into and we will, we will come into properties and certain things that we haven't gotten before, what are we doing about it? Don't wait. If you wait, wait in, pray. But once you heard, do. Because, you know, many years ago, I'll end over this and we pray. When I was still single. And you know when you're single, you want somebody in your life. And I was keeping it clean. And, and you know, sometimes believers can come with silly things. No, go on lots of dates and see maybe if it's the right. And I said, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And someone made a joke and said, yeah. Je weet wat sê hulle, hulle wat wacht, kry nieuwe kracht om langer te wacht. <laughs> so if you waiting on the Lord, you're going to get more strength to wait longer. Work it baby, work it. Let's pray, let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your word that is explaining things to us. Your desire for us is to accelerate and advance. And you are providing us with keys of the kingdom. And it is for us to take the key, to put it in, unlock, turn and open the door. I pray that we will actually use the keys that are being given to us. Let us not hear about giving and we never give. Let us not hear about honor and we never express. Let us not hear about hospitality and we never do. Let us not hear about the acquisition of things and the year of breakthroughs and so on. And yet, we never lay hold of it. I pray that you will infuse us with determination that we will press into the realities of the things that belong unto us and things that have been delayed for many years that this will be the year that will not be delayed. Father, I pray that that will be, that that kind of aggression and determination will come upon us. Though that we will able, be able to press into the realities. You've also said that there are many prophecies that are outstanding. And we have entered a period where those prophecies will come into fulfillment. I pray, Lord, that the spirit of wisdom will come upon us. We will have wisdom to know how to move, how to order our steps, how to take the steps of faith so that we may see the prophecies that have been spoken over us come into fulfillment. Lord, we pray for those kind of things. I pray for a determination, a stirring in the spirit. But the stirring comes when revelation comes. When the eyes are opened, the spirit man is stirred to move. I pray for opening of eyes. I pray for sight in the spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, let it be a year of joy. Because we see the things that you have spoken of us. Let our own lips say, This is that which was spoken. 
let it be on our lips. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen.